up in the night Your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Ooh. Welcome <laughs> Well you texted me last night and said we got some good ones, and you were not wrong, as always. Thank you. Chock full. Chock oh, full. I thought you meant, as always, I'm not wrong. But No, uh, say, as always, you're right. But um, also, these... Oh, man. I don't want to... I don't want to um, diminish the effect that any of the previous ones Mm-mm. we have received have had. I think the compilation I have put together of a variety in this one is mm-hmm. our best yet. I was, I'm, you know, I do things in uh, kind of a one, I'll be like, well, this is how I should do it. If I have no like thoughtful end goal, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I usually need to see like a thing at the end and like match it. And so I, you know, at the beginning I was kind of trucking through and you said, let me, let me, uh, I'll, I'll choose the stories, which I love because we both read them, but I love, you are like a plant piano. You're like tinkling <laughs> the keys here. And I'm like, oh damn, I would never have thought. So the order I think is also, if Thank I you. may just compliment you well, briefly. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, I try, yeah. I gave you specifically one that I thought suited your um, talents. Oh no. Oh no! <laughs> uh, I I do want to briefly address the the audio that we heard. People have said that's a TikTok audio. Yes, Peach PRC, I think something in the name? previous one. Uh, there's a the sleep app audio. I found very disturbing. I still find it disturbing, given that it would have to be your phone coming on in the night mm-hmm. or something. That could just be a glitch. That means our phones are listening to us. Or I don't know that TikToker hiding under your bed. Yeah. Just they were shooting that in your room while you were sleeping. Trying to get some really good content. Mm-hmm. Just as scary. It's just as scary. So I do appreciate though everyone going, love you guys, but FYI, that's actually a TikTok sound. I clearly don't spend enough time on TikTok. I think, yeah, I, I, I do, and I had never heard that person, but several patrons were like, that sounds exactly like this TikToker. I believe her name is Peach PRC. So, mm. Yeah. Um, but still scary, especially if you don't know who she is and then you open your phone, you hear some British girl just saying, I don't like that. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I think we have a, uh, a good variety, um, and we've, it's finally happened, Heather. What's that? We have a cryptid entry. Hell yeah. Oh, I know. That one. It was like dead silent. I was at home alone reading it. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, you think, what would I do? I don't know. I, I, one of my um, favorite things has become reading these and mm-hmm. compiling them in a manner that I find pleasing and I hope others find pleasing as well. <laughs> I love it. So, well, um, we're just going to jump right into them. This first one is from Allison. And the subject line is Flesh Pedestrians in East Texas. I'll keep the fangirling short, but thank you for your podcast. I'm listening from Plano, so it's very cool to hear you guys talk about Texas, and I've learned so much from y'all. Thank you so much if you read this on the show, but if not, I hope you enjoy the story anyways. I have never recounted the story I'm about to tell you to anyone, out of fear of the legends I've heard but I'm ready to share my experience now. Also, it took me months to internalize that this even happened. Let me paint the picture. It's well past midnight, and my husband and I are on our way back to DFW after a visit to my parents' house in deep East Texas. The kind of deep East Texas that means traveling on dirt-paved roads for about an hour or two before you reach what feels like actual civilization. It was on one of these dirt-paved roads that our experience occurred. It's 3 a.m. My husband is barely awake next to me, but still present. We can't see much ahead of us except for the road lit by my headlights and the occasional mailbox and dirt driveway, with the distant lights of a house nestled within the countryside every few miles. We're approaching one of these neighborless houses when I notice something strange around the mailbox of the property right by the road. 
We're getting closer, and I can make out what seems to be a group of animals surrounding something on the ground laying next to the mailbox. Weird, but probably a pack of coyotes or dogs, right? We get closer, and it becomes apparent that these are not coyotes or dogs. The sighting happened in a split second, but I will never forget what we saw, and I am shaking even typing this. It was a group of maybe three or four creatures. They were humanoid in stature and shape and were kneeling, gathered around some type of prey that they were clearly devouring. As we passed by them in my car, one of them whipped their head around at the oncoming lights and their eyes reflected red in my headlights. I saw that they were bald and naked with peachy fleshy skin clinging to their bony frames. Their fingers were too long and their nails shone red from the blood of their prey. Still kneeling, the creature opened its mouth as if to scream, and sharp teeth were exposed, also stained red. And then we passed by and were out of sight. A couple seconds of stunned silence, and my husband goes, Did you fucking see that? And I replied, Yes, yes I did. What was it? He didn't have an answer. I joked about going back to have a second look, and then we shut up about it. My brain was crawling with what I had just witnessed. However, two words came to mind. I will not type it, as it's considered extremely bad luck in Native American culture to even think the words, but it is synonymous with flesh pedestrian. I admittedly don't know much about these creatures of legend, and was very surprised those words even popped into my mind. I was scared shitless, driving in the extreme dark, and literally praying that they were not going to follow us back home. I locked the doors as soon as we got home, but for several days, I could not shake the feeling that we were being watched at night. I'll never forget this experience and truly believe we witnessed something evil that night. Was it really a group of flesh pedestrians, or is that just what my mind wanted to rationalize it as? Why did I come up with those words when I know so little about them? What do you think? think you hit the gas and keep going dude that is this is having driven out in east texas or rural areas any rural area you have that feeling of what if as we keep going in my headlights something horrific pops up Mm -hmm. you know whether it's a hat man on the side of the road or something like this i always have have the thought of what if some type of texas chainsaw massacre shit's about to go down Somebody runs out in the road like they need help, and then when you stop, they descend on your car, and you get abducted. It turns into a saw situation. So that is scary. But even if you say, it was probably a rabbit coyote, it it doesn't matter. It was a pack of something with blood on its hands and mouth. You got to keep going. Bald, peachy, fleshy skin, fingers that are too long, Mm -mm. and and blood-soaked nails and teeth. This is some chupacabra shit. Dude. These are monsters. What's scarier? Never mind. I answered my own question. (laughs) But a pack of chupacabras or like some kind of... Back weirdos. Yeah. country weirdos. kind of like hillbilly (laughs) East Texas cannibals that are... Come on. Join the buffet. Dude. That that is the shit that scares me because... Mm -hmm. To me, that 100% is out there. Oh, it's real. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I just think. like uh, hill people, you know? Yeah. They're ju- they just, they've been too isolated too long, and they, uh, they've they all been just hanging out with each other. Yeah. Doing stuff with each other. Yeah. And things ain't right now. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely... A X, what is it? X Files uh-huh. or that family, and it freaked me out. Oh yeah, That's somebody the, the other day on Patreon. I guess whatever episode you mentioned that in, they had just listened to it. They said that episode freaks me out too. The hillbilly episode. Mm-hmm. I gotta go watch that. I, I don't think I've seen that one. <laughs> I can't I can't rewatch it. Oh. Uh, or it's like Leprechaun too, where I rewatch it and go, well, was it really that scary? But it is. I mean, I think that's one of the ones that had to get taken off the air because it was so scary. Really? So that concept is very. Where, Taken like off said, the air? Or like they stopped re- rerunning it. Was it because it was offensive or because it was too scary? I think it was it like was too much for what it was rated. Like oh. if it, the show is rated PG, this was like pushing PG-13, Dang. if not more. Yeah, so it was... Uh, so that's X-Files. Triple X-Files. 
Oh gosh, I can't cough because I <laughs> you can't laugh. Oh, I'll, I'll, or I can't laugh because I'll start coughing. <laughs> oh man, oh that was a good one though. Well, oh my goodness. Well, I think Allison, you did the right thing. Yeah. Keep on driving. Don't double back. No, you don't need to know. Nah. You don't need to know. nothing good about that. that. Keep on monster. driving. Put You've it in the a monster. Rear view. Confirmed. We are confirming you saw a monster. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 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 Well, this next one is from Caitlin, and it is stalked or odd coincidence. Ten years ago, I was working as a nurse in our town's local hospital and was stalked by an individual who remains unknown to this day. One evening, my unit was short-staffed, so I decided to stay beyond my normal shift to help out. I ended up leaving work around 11.30 p.m. I made the long walk to the parking garage, called my best friend to talk shit on my drive, and pulled out to head home. Once I pulled out on the side street, I lived roughly ten minutes away and could take side streets all the way home. I noticed a car was pulled over the side, and once I passed, they turned on their car and pulled out behind me. Not thinking twice at first, I kept turning on the side streets talking to my BFF. After this car made the next two to three turns I made, I started to take notice. I made a few more turns, and they continued to follow me. I told my friend, and she suggested I call the police or drive to a police station to see if they bail. However, I was young, dumb, and in my pre-true crime-obsessed days. I continued my way home and into my neighborhood, and this car was still following me. I know I'm an idiot, but in my mind, it was still a coincidence, and there's no way someone was doing this. But, alas, my dumbass led him all the way to my house. I pulled in the garage and woke my husband up. Someone followed me home. They are parked outside on the street. He frantically got up, leashed our 120-pound German Shepherd, and walked outside. When he opened the door, the car sped off. I called the police and filed a report, but still doubted myself. The officer told me based on the description of events, it was not a coincidence, and I had been followed. Fast forward to a week later. I was working, and the receptionist called me to say a doctor was looking for me. I walked to the nurse's station and said doctor was gone. I asked the receptionist what happened, and she goes, looks like he got tired of waiting. He's walking out. I looked over, and a man in a white lab coat was walking towards the exit of our unit. I had never seen him before, and neither had the receptionist, and we knew all of the docs and residents we worked with because we were a specialized unit. She said he didn't have a badge on. I thought it was weird, but again doubted it could be sinister. Fast forward to that night. My BFF and I Fast forward to that night. My BFF and I went to Chipotle for dinner after work. We're in line, and two to three minutes later, what do you know? The same doctor is behind us, in line, staring at me. I started freaking out, told my BFF we needed to grab our food and leave. I told her when we left, and we drove to a police parking lot and ate our food. I never contacted the police again, and just as oddly as this started, it suddenly stopped. I never had any strange encounters with this person again or was never followed home. I still don't know who this was and wonder what would have happened if I had been single and alone the night he followed me. For years, I still questioned if I had been stalked or if it was just a series of strange coincidences. As I've listened to more true crime over the years, I've decided it definitely wasn't. Love you, ladies, and love your show. Well, I'm glad you've come to that conclusion because I think you're absolutely right. That is more than coincidence. I think this is a very good lesson that we should always trust our guts. Yes. Like they said, there's that you have that fear mm -hmm. feeling that you definitely should go with it. And at the worst case scenario, you're eating Chipotle in a police station parking lot. Right. I mean, or the worst case scenario, you the cops come out and investigate and they're like, no, nah, it's fine. Best case scenario, you've gotten a predator off the streets. You've scared somebody off. And I think she's right, probably that first night, saying, well, I'll, you know, however they spotted her, to follow her home and then say, oh, not only is there another person in the house, but also a 120-pound German mm -hmm. shepherd that will probably is very well trained and go for the throat if you try to break in. But that's apparently said, okay, well, home's not the place, so must be I need to try to put on a doctor Dude, coat. that's scary. And I love your colleague, but for God's sake, say, oh, I would love to call her. May I have your name and just see your yes. badge really quickly? 
Like challenge authority. Always. I say challenge authority. If if a doctor doesn't have a badge on and you don't recognize them, I mean, I guess it could have been a doctor from another unit, but they wear badges. That's how you get through any of the doors. Yeah. And if he comes in from the outside, asks for her, and then leaves yes. from the out, like leaves to the outside. I don't like that. I don't like that. No. It's also weird that he came in, asked for her, and then left before she got there. Almost to confirm as- that she was there. Yeah, maybe. Or just to scare her. Like, I'm watching you. Or because it was that night that he followed her to Chipotle. So maybe wondering, oh, is she working tonight? Oh, that's a good point. Go in, ask for her, and they say, oh, yeah, let me go get her. Then you've just all you've just said is, absolutely, she's working. I'll yeah. let you know she's and on this night shift. And the shifts change, you know, sometimes at the same time. But every then day. she was with her friend, and they got out of there. And they went to the police station. I wonder so then, why it stopped. I'm glad it did. Yeah. Maybe you just figure, well, she's on to me, and she's paying attention, and has now maybe. You know, driven to the police station. That's so scary. I remember Mm. once I was in college and I was, I guess, home for the summer because I was at my parent. I was living at my parents' house and I was driving home from like being out at night with friends and I got into our subdivision and all of a sudden I realized, I think this car behind me is following me. And... I knew a lot of people that lived in our subdivision. So at first I thought, oh, maybe it's a friend of mine or something. But then I thought, I don't I don't know if it is. I don't think so. I don't recognize this car. Also very stupid. I didn't know what to do, but I also did not have a cell phone at the time. Mm-hmm. I drove home mm-hmm. and I parked in the driveway and the house that my parents lived in at the time had an automatic gate that opened to like pull into the back, but Mm -hmm. I didn't have the thingy and I just sat in my car and the car pulled up in front of my house and just sat there. And I was in my head thinking, do I just, it was probably like one in the morning. Do I just lay on the horn until one of my parents comes out? (laughs) The gate was probably 10 feet high. It was like an iron gate. I was like, okay, I can jump out of my car, run up to the gate scale the gate all these thoughts were going off in my head and then finally or and i was like or i just get out of the car and haul ass to the front door but i was gonna have to like unlock it and Mm -hmm. all that stuff i still didn't know if i even knew this person and then as i'm sitting in my car thinking what the fuck do i do they finally drove off and then i ran in the house and woke up my dad and Mm -hmm. he like went to look but they were gone i still don't know if Damn, it was someone that, that was. like I not even thinking accidentally cut them off or something and they were oh, yeah. coming to say something or somebody I knew or something else, but it was very scary. Or like mistaken identity and they'd say, Oh, that, oh, yeah. that isn't her house or that isn't her car and mm-hmm. stuff. And that's the dangerous thing is the reactive nature of, I mean, because you, there's horror stories where someone turns around in somebody's driveway. That's a, a case in Texas where then they shot out into the car of like, get out of my driveway, yeah. something like that. I think someone just turned around in your driveway. But if you are doing what the experts tell you, which is go a little bit of a different route, take two turns in a row where it would basically make you drive in a circle, that's not a normal way most people drive. So it, then then you say, okay, they're following me. And I think now we know you have a phone, call somebody, call the police, mm-hmm. call whatever. So that uh, that is definitely eerie. And I think putting on a costume and showing up to the- That's next next level. Hospital and then mm-hmm. showing up to the Chipotle. I don't like that. I'm glad I don't think that that's your BFF just, was with you. Oh, for sure. And I don't think that's just like paranoia and being overly cautious. Mm-mm. It's you, Use your brain, right? Like we all can be kind to strangers that we meet, but when someone is actually lurking at your job and lurking at your where you went to lunch, yes. I think you did the right thing. Yeah. Trust your gut. Even if you think you're overreacting, What would you rather um, underreact and something happen or overreact and just feel... Maybe silly for a second. At least in that case, you're still alive. There you go. Well, this next one is from Jess, and it is Old Hag's a Drag. Hey, so I wanted to tell you about my old hag experience. Firstly, I want to preface this with my paranormal experiences as a kid. From probably about the age of 10, I've experienced paranormal interactions. In the house I was living in at about 10, there was an angry ghost. I'd hear whispering in my ear, 
which would get louder and more aggressive till it woke me up, and the radio volume would go up and down. One experience, I was near the sewing machine that just started running on full. I called to my mom crying, and she didn't know what to do. We both stood there until it stopped, and still talk about it to this day. Those are just a couple of things that happened to me as a kid. Now, as an adult, I don't experience those things anymore. But I do experience sleep paralysis. It's happened to me a couple times now, but the one I want to tell you about is the most recent. I was dreaming I was on a stairwell. I was standing on the concrete platform between the upper and lower staircases. Above was my husband. Below was a dark forest. My husband was calling to me. I was walking towards the upper staircase to follow him when some things grabbed my ankle. I was being dragged down into the forest. I tried screaming out. Nothing came out. I tried willing my husband to come look for me. Then a hand covered my mouth and I couldn't breathe. I woke up trying to scream. I couldn't move for maybe 20 seconds. I count to help myself calm down during high anxiety. The scariest thing for me was when I checked my Fitbit sleep recorder and my oxygen saturation was low while I was having my experience. In a way, it was something tangible to confirm my experience. I don't know why I have episodes of sleep paralysis, but every time I feel like a darkness is there and it retreats into the edges of the room, particularly around the bedroom door. I have screenshots of a normal night of O2, and then the night it happened. I'm thinking about getting a sleep recorder because I want to face it so I know what I'm dealing with, but I'm obviously very afraid of what might be attached to me. Anyway, ladies, Love your work. Keep it creepy. I thought this was appropriate to include, given our most recent episode. Oh, Jess. The sleep recorder is a dangerous game because you don't want it to go, remember me from your childhood. Or to open up the TikTok or the middle of the night. It sounds like this is the classic sleep paralysis experience that we discussed in the recent Mm -hmm. Hatman episode. The feeling of not being able to move. Intense fear, anxiety, a darkness, a shadow, especially by the bedroom door. So, like we said in that, some ways to maybe not experience that. Good sleep hygiene, sleeping with a light on or a TV on, making sure that you're getting enough rest and um, trying to, you know, go to sleep uh, with, with not a lot of stress or anxiety. And uh, ways to calm yourself down, whether it's a prayer, a counting, religious, mm-hmm. non-religious, you know, reading something. If that, if you're in that feeling too, telling yourself there is not a demon in here, right? <laughs> this is not true because it sounds like that. According to the the doctors we were researching, it that helps with the flooding of the fear emotions. Mm-hmm. So that might help try to stop it. But that's definitely eerie. If you have had paranormal experiences before, that would be. Yeah, common to attribute it mm-hmm. to something similar going on. And as far as your Fitbit, you it absolutely. I'm sure your oxygen levels were affected because, like we talked about, you your brain thinks you are experiencing something mm-hmm. evil, so you're going to have labored breathing, be panic ridden. So yeah, it makes sense that um that it shows that. So and if you truly think something's holding your yeah. its hand over your mouth, your brain. Our brains are dumb. They don't know the difference. Yeah, our brains are real stupid. Thanks, they don't know brains. The, difference. the thing that keeps <laughs> us going and makes us uh, yeah. sentient. You go like, don't worry, brain. It's not real. And so there's now you've separated it into a smarter part and a dumber part. So you go, hey, calm down. And then you got <laughs> it back. your brain two sides fighting. That's right. And they're all fighting. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Jess. Well, what eerie, have you got, eerie. Heather? Oh, I got a couple for you. This one is from Jeremy. His subject line is, some house haunting and dinner bought by a ghost. Hi there, Christy and Heather. A big thank you to my favorite podcasters for starting this segment since I have some tales I can share. Maybe not award-winning, but we'll see if they pass muster. I live in North Carolina now, but until I was 18, I always lived in the same small house in southern West Virginia with my mom, dad, and older brother. On a day-to-day basis, there was nothing unusual about it. But now and then, something peculiar would happen that made us think it might be haunted as fuck. Once I was old enough to handle it, my mom told me about the first family who lived there. 
The father died after he fell or was pushed from the roof of an office building downtown. Not in the house, granted, but the reason still remains unknown. His wife and twin daughters went on living there until one died of leukemia. That was in the house, in the bedroom that would later be mine. One morning, I awoke to a loud pounding on the wall coming from the outside. It went on for a few seconds until I yelled, Stop! No one was working on the house, and my bedroom was one story above the ground. No one else heard, although it was louder than any thunder I can remember. Once, Mom, Dad, and I were in the kitchen and heard footsteps coming down the stairs. We were all surprised that my brother was home. He wasn't, and our cats could not have made that much noise. Once, my brother claimed he was making his bed when a big blue fireball shot from beneath the mattress, hit the wall, and disappeared. But most of the weird stuff centered around an unused room upstairs. Although we were in cramped quarters, it was never used as a bedroom when I lived there because of the weird vibe. You could walk in there alone and feel watched until you left. For a while, as a kid, it was my playroom. That ended when a friend ran out screaming, headed down the stairs and out the front door. She said she'd seen something, but to this day, she won't say what. Later, my brother turned it into a neat little antique parlor with a number of old clocks in it. One day, they all started striking at once, even though some were non-functional. I checked them after it happened, and yep, still broken. There was a storage cubby built into the wall where random stuff would just show up. Strings of Christmas lights, toys no one had bought. Maybe the strangest was a pair of blue jeans. Judging by the style and the still-attached price tag, they appeared to be from the 1950s, yet they still looked brand new and unworn in the 90s. Not to mention that they wouldn't have fit any of us. Lots of little things like that, but in the interest of time, I'll skip to the last bit, which isn't house-related per se, but it is odd. A while back, I lost my brother, grandmother, and both parents within the span of just two years. Unrelated causes, just a very sad coincidence. My big sister, who had grown up and moved out before I was born, was going to put the house up for sale, so I had to drive up from North Carolina to pick up anything of mine that I wanted. She lived in Pennsylvania, and no one was available to go with me, so I had to spend a weekend there alone, sorting through my stuff and sleeping in my old bedroom. It was the most depressing thing I think I've ever had to do, especially since mom and I had been so close and she'd been the last one to pass away. Anyway, one night I went to Cracker Barrel to grab some dinner. As the hostess walked me to a table, we passed a woman who was also seated alone. From behind, she looked exactly like mom in a picture of us from when I was about four years old. Same era hairstyle, same early 80s style blouse. Given my state of mind, I figured I was probably exaggerating the similarity. I was seated with my back to her and didn't think much more about it until I asked my server for the check, and we had this exchange. It's already taken care of, sir. Really? By who? That lady who is sitting behind you. She left a few minutes ago. Thanks for taking the time to read my submission, ladies. I hope it was at least mildly entertaining. Keep it creepy and love to all. Oh. I have many thoughts about this. So many. The first, heartbreaking to lose that many people that close together. That is Mm -hmm. super rough. And then when you have to go do stuff like that by yourself. Oh, man. My heart goes out to you, Jeremy. I think the creepiest part of this to me is the cubby. Yeah, it's like a Stephen King, a part of a Stephen King it novel It makes or me think of the one where the guy was living in the walls of the house. <gasps> oh, I didn't even think about that. My mind goes to, this is probably a portal to the past, and you're like, oh, probably someone's living in the attic. I, I was like, maybe somebody's legit living in the walls of the home or the attic or something. Oh, I just freaked myself out of what if the friend saw someone like That's open That's what I'm saying, or they, they say it. It, saw like eyes or something. That friend needs to talk. Girl, yes. Come on. Make with it. Get, get it. Give us this friend's number. Get them to contact us. Yeah. Do we have a hotline. Now. Yeah. We need, a, we need a hotline where people it's can just. 20 years. You can tell us. You just tell us. It's just fine. tell us and that's fine. We'll keep it to ourselves. That is uh, such a beautiful moment. There there was a time when we had flown to Atlanta to drive up to see my my dad's family in Tennessee after my dad had passed away. And we were at a Chili's and I 
in like rural Atlanta and I went to walk to the bathroom and I was like, because <gasps> I saw my dad, like I swear from the back, it was like his head mm-hmm. from the back. And then I went to the bathroom and then when I came back and it, it wasn't him, you know, of course. and your mind plays yeah. tricks on you and stuff. But in this case, you have the interaction that this person that maybe was some sort of embodiment, even if it wasn't actually your mom, maybe your mom said, you know, I think that sometimes the energies can like whisper in our ears and you're like, I'm going to pay that guy's check. Like, I don't know why, but I think I need to pay that check. Mm-hmm. You know, and there was some some supernatural urge for that person to take care of they your check. They that he you needed it. seemed lonely and sad and wanted to pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and that's what I think a lot of times as far as our... What we think happens when we die is like, I think our energy gets dissipated and does have an impact on our current world. And to say your mom saw that you needed somebody and maybe was there and that's what you felt like you saw and taps that stranger on the shoulder and says, take care of somebody. Mm-hmm. Take care of my boy. That's uh, yeah. that's really sweet, though. And that, like you said, no one should have to go through that alone. Oh, man. Big hugs from us. But that is definitely uh one of those moments after somebody you've lost somebody that especially you're really close to that you feel like they're smiling i i think i've told you and i've probably talked about on the show that there are times in my life where i feel like my dad is literally like sitting in a chair next to me laughing not all the time but when certain things happen and i'm like he was there Mm. so i i think i think she was there nice well thank you jeremy the next one we have is from cipriani the subject line is the time I flipped my shit because I saw a fairy. So I'm a dork. I've always been a dork. My fate was sealed when my big sister took me to the Renaissance Fair as a kid. I loved all things magic and fantasy. I read books about dragons and fairies all throughout my childhood. Man, if I had known what Dungeons and Dragons was in sixth grade, I would have been a much happier kid. Fast forward to high school. I was still a dork, but survival instinct kicked in and helped me hide it at least a little. I'm walking home from school along an arroyo next to my house. I pick my way past some old cottonwood trees, under a broken down barbed wire fence, and onto the dirt path that leads its way back to my yard. I look down the path, and in the distance, I see a creature. This creature is small, brown in color, and vaguely humanoid-shaped. It's casually seated on a small log with its head in one hand. Think the thinker statue. I stop and just stare. My eyes keep squinting and unsquinting to try to process what I'm actually seeing. Clear as day, I see the little freaky thing that almost looks like it's made out of bark. It doesn't move. It doesn't acknowledge me. It seems to be lost in thought. My heart is pounding and I'm thinking, this is it. Fairies are fucking real. This is my moment. All my childlike wonder that I've suppressed as a teenager comes rushing back. I edge closer and closer. It still doesn't move. After an eon, I'm finally within 10 feet of this mystical creature who will no doubt take me far away into an underground fairy palace where I will never age and dance and frolic forever. I grab a stick, intending to tap the creature, as if that is the thing that would entice it to invite me into its fantastical realm. And in my final steps to close the gap, My eyes finally click to see that the bark-clad creature is, in fact, a branch in the shape of a tiny sitting man. I have never been so entranced and terrified of an inanimate object in my life. I hit it with a stick just to make sure he's not faking, and it is straight up a twig. My hopes for eternal frolicking dashed, and my very real teenage angst returning, I toss my stick and head home. But what if? What if it was a real fairy playing tricks on me? I still preferred that story over the one where I got freaked out by a twig. It's a silly story, but I love you guys and thought I'd share. Thank you for all you do, your intelligence and humor, your constantly entertaining show. Keep it creepy. Oh, man. Oh, that feeling where you're like, this is happening. It's I it. gave you this one because I feel like this is something that you would have done. <laughs> This is teenage Heather, one hundred percent. Like it's, I saw a fairy in the woods, uh, and also I hit it with a stick and just Shane's to make sure like, it's not Heather. Faking. That was a twig. <laughs> or Nancy, <laughs> what are you talking you about? You saw that a, was twig. a twig. You just hit a twig with another twig. 
And then you go out to walk to school and you go, are you going to go play with your fairy friends out in the woods, <laughs> your stick fairy friends? And the fire's going, sorry about your friends. Yeah. <laughs> oh, your no. She burns. You're like, oh, it's so nice and toasty in here. Well, you can thank your friends for that. <laughs> Threw them in the <laughs> fireplace. They're in the fireplace. No, 100%. I would be. So I think I love Cipriani, I love your childlike wonder. I still have this. If I saw something and was like, what is that? What was that? I've uh, I've, I've seen some branches that I thought looked like things before. Also, take five seconds. Go to fucking nationalgeographic.com. There is all kinds of shit that looks like a branch that's actually a bug or a lizard or There's something a, wild. Uh, a stick bug. Isn't that what it's called? I think that's one of a them, A stick yeah. insect. They look straight up like sticks. So there you go. So maybe I would maybe in that case don't whack it with a stick. No, let that <laughs> stick living. live. But uh, that's also a good thing. What would a fairy do except turn itself into a stick so that it wouldn't get caught? There you go. But it did get whacked in the face. So <laughs> maybe it should have just left itself in its regular little body and granted a wish or whatever happens if you see a fairy. Almost had it, Almost fairy, had it. but you got whacked with a stick. Well, thank you, Cipriani. And our final one, I'm going to try. <laughs> they gave us the pronunciation. and Oh, no, uh, no. I just meant, do you want me to do it in an Irish accent? Oh, oh. Um, yeah, so she's clearly Irish, but <laughs> why don't we just say we know she's Irish? We know she's Irish. And, and, and like, you don't need to do that. Because with the Princess Diana one, I studied for like three weeks. This one, I, I enjoyed the story. I was so ingrained in the story. I did not. It's uh, also very long, and that's a long correct. one to keep up. It's so difficult. I'd say, yes. let's just preface this. Uh, the author is Irish, and yes. we will all pretend that this is Irish. Yes. Thank you, Anya. Uh, this is from Anya, and the subject line is Disturbed in Donegal. Hello, lovelies. When I listened to your first Freaky Friday episode last week, I knew I had to write in and tell you about my one and only supernatural story I have from my childhood. Feel free to edit, shorten it, whatever ye feel is best. I absolutely love you guys, BTW. You're fucking hilarious and have kept me company through the long and lonely days of stay-at-home mom life to three kids under seven during the pandemic. Anyway, onwards and on to the sinister stuff. As you can probably tell by my name, I'm Irish. During the summer holidays, my family would often go on short vacations to Donegal, in my opinion, the most beautiful part of Ireland, and stay for a couple of weeks somewhere remote and near the sea. Well, one summer, we, my mom, dad, older brother, and younger sister, were on our usual trip in Donegal. I was about six at the time. Also, I have to preface this by saying, my parents are not in any way, shape, or form believers in the supernatural. They don't believe in ghosts in the slightest. They believe we die, and that's it, the end. Very uncatholic of them. <laughs> Anyway, I don't remember much of this holiday, but I do remember leaving our small country bed and breakfast and the quiet, somewhat eerie drive home. Both my parents barely spoke and seemed off. My dad seemed uncomfortable and just wanted to get going as soon as possible. After we left and had been on the road for about an hour, without saying a word, my dad pulled over and parked on the side of the road. He then turned to my mother and said, I need to talk to you for a minute not in the car. My mom just looked at him, and it was like she knew what he wanted to speak about. They both got out and stood with their backs to us. We couldn't hear what they were talking about, but my dad looked really concerned. My mom mostly covered her mouth with her hand, and they both looked really shaken. They got back into the car and said nothing to us, just held hands and told us, it's nothing. Well, I never forgot the incident, and later, as an adult, I questioned them about it. My dad couldn't believe I had remembered it, but agreed he would finally let me know what happened. The place we stayed in Donegal was an old historical manor house. It housed 10 to 12 guests at a time and was run by a couple in their 30s. The woman of the house was heavily pregnant. My dad said from the get-go there was something off about her. She would just appear out of nowhere in a room or a corridor that my father had been sure was empty just appeared behind him, or when he turned around, she was there, always cleaning or sweeping, dusting, etc. She'd ask if he needed anything and say something about the weather, maybe. Nothing unusual, except the way she was, as my dad said, just always there. She'd be at one end of the house doing some housework, but then, when he'd go into the dining room, she would be in there, chatting to someone or serving tea. 
She was everywhere, all the time, and it made him feel uncomfortable. Then they had dinner with the other guests. The dinner was served at the same time for all guests who all ate together at one huge dining table. One particular night, there was a well-dressed elderly couple who sat next to my parents. They got to chatting and the elderly lady randomly interrupted the conversation to say to my mom, You went to Cavantini school, didn't you? Yes, well, did you know Kathleen Barry had cancer? She's dead now. Kathleen was someone my mom had gone to school with and who'd been out of touch with for a few years. The elderly lady continued to say then that they had lived in my father's childhood home before his family had and listed off childhood friends, neighbors, etc., and who was still alive and who was not. That elderly couple weren't there for any other dinner after that night, and my parents didn't see them in the house again. Finally, the night before we left, my dad said they put the three of us to bed in the room next to theirs, and we were all asleep. As a parent myself now, I would be way too scared to put my kids in a separate room to mine down the hall without a lock. Ah, the 90s. My parents went to bed in their own room down the hall. At some point in the night, my mom shook my dad awake and said, Pat, Pat, do you hear that? My dad listened for a minute and heard a clear screeching sound in the room. He got up thinking it might be a mouse in an old country house and looked in the wardrobe, the wastebasket, every corner of the room and found nothing. The scratching continued on and off and my parents tried to get some sleep. However, again, shortly after, my mom woke my dad up and said she felt like something just wasn't right and could he go check on the kids. My dad got up and walked into the hallway, closing the door behind him. He said immediately he felt extremely fearful and a sudden freezing cold completely enveloped him. He touched the hallway radiator. It was burning hot. My dad is not a fearful or superstitious man, but he said in that moment he felt panicked and 100% certain that someone or something was in that hallway with him. He quickly went into our room to check we were okay. All three of us were fast asleep, and our room was warm and cozy. He then left us to go back down the hall to my mom, again, getting that same eerie feeling someone was there in the hallway, again, suddenly freezing. Quickly, he got into bed and said, everything was fine. Go back to sleep. They did then go back to sleep, and us three kids were none the wiser. The next morning, we packed up and left, and it was on that car journey home. My dad stopped and told my mom they needed to talk. My dad said outside the car that he told my mom everything he had experienced the night before, that it frightened him, and that between that experience, the eerie elderly couple at dinner who knew so much about them, and the woman of the house seemingly appearing out of thin air, he didn't want to go back there ever again. My mom confessed to him that after my dad had gone in the hallway that night, the same thing happened to her in the bedroom. The room was suddenly absolutely freezing, and she felt like what could only be described as someone sitting on the bed watching her. She had been terrified, but didn't want to appear scared or like she was being silly. Whatever it was they experienced there at that time, while my dad talks about it openly now, my mom still says she finds it too upsetting to talk about. While they didn't see any apparitions or anything obvious, my dad just describes that house as if something was just off not quite right, made him uncomfortable, and eerie. As for the elderly couple that had dinner with my parents that night, my dad looked into them when we were back home. He asked around his childhood neighborhood to see if he could find out who they were. Nobody or their parents or grandparents knew them or had even heard of them, and they certainly weren't the people who had lived in his childhood home before he had. He thinks it's somehow explainable. I think it's creepy. As an adult now with my own family, we go to Donegal every summer, and each time, I notice, how it, I notice how much it feels like part of another world up there. Many say that the veil is thinner in that part of Ireland, and I believe it. And that's it. The closest thing I've had to a supernatural encounter thus far. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and whether you use it or not, keep up the podcast because you're doing an incredible job. Lots of love from Ireland. This sounds like... A Mike Flanagan joint. Yes, it does. It so does. Having that woman that seems so friendly and sweet and pregnant and then sh 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 she like mm -hmm. follows you around the house or she's everywhere and nowhere all at once. Mm -hmm. That is definitely. It's, first of all, when you're that pregnant. 
to get from one place to the next, you're not moving very fast. So if all of a sudden you're in the dining room and then you're in the kitchen and then you're in the garden, I don't know how she's doing it. And working. She sounds like she's cleaning, sweeping, dusting something everywhere. Uh, That is eerie. I think if you're sitting at a dinner, first of all, punch me in the face if I have to sit with a bunch of strangers. See, normally I would. But when I was reading this, I had the thought, I want to do this. Only in Ireland, though. I oh, want to yeah, go yeah, yeah. to That's like true. a manor bed and breakfast place <laughs> in, a, in a beautiful place like Ireland and do something like this because I think you would meet such interesting people that you would never true. meet in other walks of life. And they're going to go, I used to live in your yeah, house. Yeah, and then you, they, until they start telling you about people you used to know and they've died and you're like, how, what? How do you know? Mm-mm. Oh, Anya, that if you could get us the address of this bed and breakfast, I'm sure it's still around because it's always been there and will forever be there. Yeah, or is it I there? Do, I is love it the really description there? that it is, that the veil is thinner there. Mm-hmm. I love that idea that there is a veil between the worlds and that at some places it's a little thinner. I, you hear there's a change in energy whenever there's supernatural forces around and it caused the freezing nature. I think one of those things individually is a oh that's weird all of them together is that is a cursed manner and those people live there permanently <laughs> and your family is lucky to have gotten out so that's all i'm saying your probably parents were right. one of those wooden fairies is responsible <laughs> that's who it was the whole time mm-hmm. well thank you all so much for sending these in these were these were a good batch and i've read through so many for the next couple and we got some good ones. i told you heather i said we got some good You're writers like, out up. there yeah, you're like, buckle up. It's people, people are, they're putting on their A game. Like, I do. I will. I can appreciate the, just the, the literary prowess of all of our listeners. Mm-hmm. These are all fantastic. I loved how Cipriani used the present tense. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a great choice. It really puts you in the story at the time. And especially if you're going to have a reveal at the end, I think uh, you guys are great. I think that's like, I just went and saw David Sedaris live and telling a story from your life it, there's an anecdote and then there's an actual story mm-hmm. with the, you know, beginning, middle, end, and you really suck the audience in and he does the, the latter very well. And so do our listeners. We just got a bunch of little David Sedaris out there. A bunch of little David Sedaris. If you're a little David Sedaris and you want <laughs> to send like to in. Called little. Huh? I don't think he listens, but he's. He gets offended when he's when he's he, called when little. Someone said he they he they called him diminutive in one article, and then he jokingly said someone once said they described him as if he could be fit into a teacup, <laughs> like a tiny little poodle. <laughs> oh no, yeah, I don't think that's something anybody ever wants to hear about themselves. He doesn't read stuff about himself on the internet. Well, say that's one Same. of the things we have in common. Well, if you do have a story that you would like to share for Freaky Friday, if you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at Sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. And the same if you had a hat man experience. Do not email them, please. Sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. Put them on the form because it dumps it into our spreadsheet and that's very easy for us to go through and read them that way. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Rolling the Airwaves and Getting Into It tier, a special shout-out on the show, and what you heard this month, we're going to have the best of Patreon. You get a little sampler platter of all the bonus content. So we'll have a monthly bonus mini-sode that's coming out on the Patreon feed this week, as well as patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationships, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, Wedded Drama, True crime headlines and so much more. And the mini said this month is all about the Sherry Papini update. And there's yeah. some some juicy, interesting stuff in there. We got our plea agreement. We got the divorce filings. Mm-hmm. So we're going through all of it. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. 
For patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available, and those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. Also go to Sinisterhood.com slash live shows for information on our tour, where we're stopping, venues, and to purchase tickets. They are going fast, so get yours. The first stop is in just two weeks, Heather. I know. I I was going through my calendar, and I just flipped the page and was like, it's it's right there. It's happening. (laughs) It's right now. So, yeah, Sinisterhood.com slash live shows. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you supporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. If you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like T-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Shop on the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. We are also on TikTok and YouTube. Christy, where are you at? Eventually, we're going to get another TikTok, you guys. Don't worry. We're going to do one. We're going to, we have one. I'm getting ideas. We're, we're going to, we're going to get another one up there. (laughs) I think we'll do some tour TikToks, maybe some footage from the, the tour while we're out and about. That might be good TikTok footage of what it's like on the road. Mm, Just like, yeah. You get 10 seconds. You get like a 10, how long are TikToks? 10 Uh, seconds? A minute. Or three. No, we're going a minute or less. You're just <laughs> I think you have to work up to the three minute. <laughs> yeah, I can't feel three. I think you. I, th- I think they give you that after you have a certain amount of followers and views. I am on TikTok and Twitter at Christy or DTFO, and on Instagram at Christy M Wallace. Heather, I am on Twitter at MCK versus the world, and on TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy.